0: A third of students are less than happy about their university choice, new research by EY has revealed. The findings suggest that a digital rethink is essential to meet the expectations of students and staff. Universities can address this by putting the needs of the people they serve at the heart of their digital strategies. Learn more about the future of human centered higher education at theguardian.com forward slash transforming higher education. This message was paid for by EY. The
1: Guardian
0: In 2000, a young playwright had her first taste of the stage at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. The play Abby Morgan had written gave audiences an icy and enduring view on the decadence, desire and dictatorships of the 90s.
1: So Splendour is a play that I wrote at the end of the 90s it was the eve of millennium period, really. And it is set in an unknown Eastern European city, and it's set over one night, and it really observes the disintegration of four women's relationships. And as the evening progresses, you realise that it's about a wife dictator who is waiting for her husband to come home because he's about to do a very important interview and have a photograph taken of him by a war photographer. And it slowly transpires as the evening unfolds that her husband isn't going to come back. And through the course of the evening, she calls her best friend to come and give her support. There is an interpreter who interprets for everybody in a sort of unknown foreign language. And you slowly realise that not only has the husband left her but the country's on the brink of revolution and this revolution is going to reap bloody revenge on the wife of the dictator and you realise that you're actually watching the last night of her life and it's about her facing the consequences of that and her own part and her own place in history. Good evening. Within the past half hour, fierce gun battles have broken out on the streets of the Romanian capital Bucharest after the communist dictator, President Nicolae Ceaușescu, was overthrown by the people and the army. I think why I've chosen Splendour as a play to talk about is because it was written in a kind of fugue. I wrote the play at the end of of the 90s and certainly that decade had been a huge period of unrest post-1989 and I mean one of the biggest regimes I actually drew upon was the Ceausescu regime. I was very haunted by the Bosnian conflict that then followed throughout that period and I had a very clear idea of the direction of the play and I had a very clear idea of the characters within the play but the form was really something that I kind of created as I wrote. It was a little bit like doing a piece of tapestry. I almost couldn't put down the thread because I was worried I'd lose my way. And there were different shifts and changes and and rewrites, as with their all work, but inherently the form never really changed. And I think it was very significant because I think it came out of a very profound feeling that I had to write about that decade and I had to write about the architects of some of those atrocities that I had witnessed and I I was watching a number of you know Bosnian and Kosovan refugees immigrants in, within London and I suddenly felt very angry about that so I think that really fueled the play and I think I really couldn't quite equate how so few have so much power I then started to open up and look at the women behind strong men. So I was looking at Hillary Clinton at the time and was very fascinated with her. And, and then when you worked your way back through all of those first ladies, I realised that behind every powerful man, there is often a powerful woman. And so I was kind of curious about the women behind those. As the crowd
0: waved a Romanian flag with the communist symbol ripped from the centre, a speaker on the platform told them Ceausescu and his hated wife Elena had been caught. We've got
1: both of them, his family, the whole gang, the speaker said. And this afternoon, the TV station showed the crumpled forms of two bodies at the foot of a bullet-ridden wall, one clearly that of Romania's former dictator. I watched the footage of Ceausescu and his wife Elena at the moments before they were executed and it's a really terrifying, moving, upsetting, distressing piece of footage because they cower like two little animals together and yet there is also huge defiance and anger particularly from Eleanor and one of the things that was very interesting when that I read about that execution was they were shot I think by former guards and I think there were only two or three bullets in Ceausescu's body and there were infinitely more in Eleanor's and I felt that was really interesting again because it was also about the huge anger that we feel not only towards those dictators but even more so to those wives who stand by in the background. And so I think I carried some of that fury and anger into that play. I wrote Splendour in three days and it was pre-children. I was living on my own and so I sort of had the luxury of sort of day and night writing and I I don't remember, I think it was sustained by a lot of chocolate and a lot of tea and um, working through the night but I do remember at the end of it feeling an incredible sense that I'd harnessed something and I had finally got something down on paper and I find stage plays incredibly difficult to write hence I don't write them very often now and so it also represents for me a kind of youth and energy and commitment and belief that weirdly I don't have in the same way anymore. Mainly because I'm a huge admirer of other people's work rather than my own in many ways. So it it was a sort of statement of intent, that kind of commitment to writing in that way. And as I said, I felt like I scored it like a piece of music. So it sounds a bit of a swagger, but for me it was my minor symphony, you know. So I sort of think that's why it was very important. And also... You know, it's a literal muscle that you exercise as a writer when you write plays and it takes a huge energy to complete a play. And I felt like, for me, it broke through something. I think it exposed for me my commitment to writing for women. I think it exposed a real desire to recognise that women can be as aggressive, violent, mercurial, complex as men and to ensure that they, that was portrayed on, on the stage. And I wanted a cast of four in that way and I wanted to see four very different women in that room. And so for me it was also about those who are architects of history, i.e. in the form of the dictator's wife, Micheline. Those who stand by and watch history and do nothing as in the form of um, Genevieve, her best friend. Those who observe and comment on dictatorships and moments in history, as in the form of the war photographer. And those who are forced to collude, collaborate, as in the form of Gilmer, the interpreter. And so, for me, it was about how do you respond, collude, and, I suppose, pay witness to these moments in history. And that's what the play is also exploring. Splendid really came out of my relationship with Vicky Featherstone at Payne's Plough. And it's quite bold in its structure. I think of it as a piece of music. It's scored in a way that... I mean, when I wrote it, I wrote it in three days. And I wrote it sort of without stopping. But it has a sort of back-and-forth repeat structure because I was kind of fascinated by retelling moments from slightly different perspectives. And it also kind of breaks the fourth wall because characters talk direct to the audience and talk in a way that no one else in the room can hear but the audience and so it's comments on each other that one another can't hear and so it was about a kind of deconstructing a form but it was also about kind of trying to find form in the middle of chaos. open the play with a vase being broken and that's an incredibly hard technical feat to have a vase being broken and then put back together again and then broken again and put back together again and that's incredibly important I think it's a very interesting play because it, it's a sort of head play in many ways in terms of the construction of it It's a continual line I often have in my head when certainly in my film and screen work which is just say the line (laughs) and in many ways it's about trusting the material to just do the material and then you find and understand what it's trying to say and so it's a very strong technical exercise so I think that continuing motif within the play is very very important because it is a kind of physical and technical exercise for an actor but it's also for me it's like a kind of navigational point within the play that keeps asking that group of women to keep coming back to that moment because the moment of the shattering of the glass is really about the shattering of artifice. Haynes Plough produced Splendour in about 2000 and so it was my first real experience of going to Edinburgh and the Edinburgh Festival. Um, I'd been a couple of times as a punter before but I'd never gone and had a play there and to have a play there and to have a play at the Traverse was just incredibly exciting at the time and it was just for me, it represents... A time before my life was about to really change. You know, it was just before I fell in love and met my partner. It was just before I had my first son, um, my only son. <laughs> I had a daughter afterwards, and it was it was a giddy time. You know, it was a time of you know late night conversation and and running around Edinburgh with Vicky and Frantic Assembly, who were working with us on the choreography and the physicality of that play. And also it was a huge kind of time of change and we were about to go into the, you know, we, we were tipping into the noughties and so that was a, it, it represents a time of experimentation and freedom for me. I think as a writer, when you get to see your work produced, be that as a theatre writer or, or as a screenwriter, um, what is fantastic about it is that basically your work is adopted and raised by other people and so you get to see your work really be owned by other people and that's hugely affirming and the collective holds it as somebody who in many ways is quite neurotic and a loner I find it hugely affirming to suddenly have this team behind me and around me who are going I believe in this, I believe it's good and so, and it's important therefore for me to have huge gratitude about that and in order for that gratitude not to be hollow I have to build my belief in it Seeing that play up and running and seeing those performers in that play and seeing the whole kind of stage crew's commitment to it was was amazing. And I'm reminded again and again how lucky you are if you get to make a career out of your passion. I suppose for me, when Splendour happened, it was the first time I thought I could really make this my profession. It's one of the reasons why I don't write so much for theatre as well because I feel like out of all the mediums you really have to have something to say in it because it's you and the words and the space and the older I get I have to think longer and harder about what I need to say and why it's being said if if that makes sense so it's a really important play to me I think when I think about Splendour, it, it was where I wrote for four women. I'd always written for women before, but I'd written for ensembles, collective ensembles of men and women, and it was the first time I wrote for four women on stage, and I, I liked the image of that, and I realised that there weren't a lot of plays where I had seen that, whereas I'd seen a number of plays with, with a lot of men. I think that's something that I have stayed quite committed to throughout my work, and so I often have, you know, the central protagonists of my plays are are women, but certainly within my screen work, that's been true. But I also deal with the male and female in people as well, so I, you know, would look at a film like Shame and actually consider Shame is really, although it's centred on... Michael Fassbender who plays the character of Brandon for me it's about the male and female in him as well and I'm just writing four movies of which all of them (laughs) they're all female led so it's a conscious decision to write for women I think life experiences inherently change you obviously as a writer but also those things that preoccupy you and I I think my sense of fury and anger which is probably throughout my work in some form was definitely calmed during that period because I, I had children and I had a loving partner and my preoccupations became something very different. In a way my social conscience was still very prevalent certainly in my screen work but I think that fury and the rage in a way filtered in different ways. I'm feeling it again now. I think it's coming back into my work and weirdly I think the place to set that is on stage and specifically the play that I'm focused on at the moment is about that rage and and abuse of power within Hollywood and my industry. Splendor's hugely important to me because it represents a time when I was trying to learn my craft, Uh, I was exploring form, and I had courage. And I suppose more than anything, the reason why Splendour is so important to me is I'm proud of it. And I am often proud of the work that I do but I don't feel that that's something that I can personally own I often feel I can nod to a great performance or a great director or an amazing stage or production design but for me splendor I can give a nod to the writing and that's really unusual for me because I'm constantly critical of my voice and my work. And that's not to say I think is a perfect play, but that's also why I love it, because I look back at myself and I was in my late 20s, early 30s, and I feel huge affection, fondness and pride for myself because it had been a difficult decade and it had been very hard to survive in London and to keep my belief in becoming a writer at a time when everyone I knew around me were becoming doctors and barristers and were buying homes and getting married and having babies and having a life and I was still living in one room in the middle of nowhere and so it represents a sort of statement of intent.
0: For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts. A third of students are less than happy about their university choice, new research by EY has revealed. The findings suggest that a digital rethink is essential to meet the expectations of students and staff universities can address this by putting the needs of the people they serve at the heart of their digital strategies learn more about the future of human-centered higher education at theguardian.com forward slash transforming higher education this message was paid for by ey
1: spring is that you warmer temps mean new albert styles meet the new Superlight collection the lightest ever shoes from albert's now in fresh colors